Hello, this is Andre and Anita. We talk about parenting, love and life skills. Our family of six makes sure we always have something to share. Hello, Anita. You know, it's been quite some time again, but we're not going to talk, like, not bring the same intro every single time. That's going to be weird. Well, for everyone listening, it's just been like a brief moment because, yes, you know, you, know, no, you, you stack much. them up, right? That's but, what you do. By the way, I thought about, like, now only um, getting a new episode up every single month instead okay. of every single week because... It just didn't work. Like all these last weeks, um, things got crazy and for whatever reason. And yeah, I have to admit, I wasn't as diligent about our pod- podcast as oh. I was about my own. Oh, I see. I, see. I have to admit it. Okay. I'm sorry. And I, I did not I remind you enough. So there's that. You haven't been around so much. And also, also that, yeah. like there have been quite some excuses from your side. Well, the boys took all my time. What can I say? <laughs> it's, it's great to always I, have somebody to play. High maintenance, yes. right? Yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. And I also, I, I like to borrow your voice once in a while for my podcast because I've oh, noticed. I'm here to please. The interview I'm style here. is just more interesting than if I'm just blabbing into the microphone all mm-hmm. by myself. I agree. It's just a difference, you know. Okay, but this one is going to be great, I hope. It's called... <laughs> we'll see, right? <laughs> yeah, I hope so. You know, no, I read this uh, Blinkist uh, book summary. Mm-hmm. I know I'm not sponsored by them, but it's about a book that's called Weird Parenting Wins. That's the title. Yes. Okay, because by Hillary you, Frank. You linked an article to me. No, that. that's something different. That's something totally different. <laughs> and that was so fun. I had to laugh so much about that one. No, we're going to have to talk about this later. Okay. Because because that was titled How to Be a Hipster. Um, yeah, it's so fun. How to Become a Hipster. So I was like, that's going to be Our daughter asked about it. Like she wanted to be What's a Hipster. She wants to know it because for, for her computer game, uh-huh. they have to dress up like hipsters in mm. her game. And I was like... I don't even know what a hipster really is. I mean, no. I kind of can recognize them once in a while, mm-hmm. but I don't really have a definition. Oh, well, and so little, I looked um, it up. And it, it it, up. You're going to have to read this. It's great. Okay. On WikiHow, anybody mm-hmm. who's listening, mm-hmm. you want to know how to be a hipster? Well, actually, this one's German, but mm-hmm. I don't know if there's an equivalent there's, in English. There are. It's, and it's written in a fun style. It's like ironic. It's and basically Yuppie's uh, 2.0. That's uh, what hipsters. Yeah, that's what they are calling it? Yeah, in a way. In America? In way. I don't no, know. I mean, in, in general. Okay. Um, so, the book that we're talking about today, mm. it has to do with... Well, actually, it, it's recommended for overwhelmed parents, which oh. we're not. Are we not? Uh, not anymore. <laughs> we used to be. Okay? <laughs> but then, then we read a book. No, but the kids got older and we got more wise and calloused and I don't know. Now we feel very underwhelmed, right? We're not overwhelmed anymore. (laughs) I wouldn't say so. Okay, and it's also for anyone who's planning a family and wants to be prepared. Like, that's long gone for us. Mm -hmm. And caregivers and guardians. So if you want to, you know, keep up. Babysit? Yes, babysit or do... Child ministry. Children ministry. Children Mm -hmm. ministry. Yeah, that's great for you too. So what's in for me? Embrace the crazy fun that being a parent or caregiver can bring. That's like the um, introduction to the book. Okay. And it talks, I think, primarily to parents who, you know, find themselves in situations that are quite challenging and overwhelming and they feel like they haven't been prepared for it. Like... The kind of situation we've been in, in the first years of parenting, but in a way, for whatever reason, we didn't need a book to find the exact solutions that are mentioned in it. Like, not the exact ones, but quite similar ones. Well, the one that suited us best, at least. Okay. The first blink says, it takes imagination to stop kids whining. Mm. Stopping babies crying takes effort. 
Duh. So um, it says something about, like, there, there was this uh, example of uh, somebody saying that they had to make uh, the observation that it's kind of hard to make a little kid stop crying. Mm-hmm. And uh, wait a second. I, I'm ju- just going to read a little chapter for mm-hmm. you. Sarah, a mom from River Forest, Illinois, and her husband told the author a classical parenting tale about it, uh, about what it took to hush their baby. Hush, hush like quiet it down, I know. you know. The initial thrill of having a newborn soon gave way to absolute exhaustion. Something familiar to mm-hmm. us. Their child just would not stop screaming. Then, in his sleep-deprived delirium, the father tried one last desperate measure. He picked up an electric toothbrush, switched it on, and began waggling it above the baby's head. Amazingly, the baby hushed hushed, and was lulled to sleep. From that night on, the parents placed the electric toothbrush still on in the cot, and every night it did the job. And this, uh, like, uh, I had a smile when reading that because, like, we didn't have electric toothbrushes to help us. Mm-hmm. But I very vividly remember the time when I, like, I had the second son already. And yes, we've had some success with a sleeping program for the older one. Mm-hmm. But the younger one was too young to try this on already. Yeah. And he was sleeping so badly. Yeah. And I remember that one time I, I was like really sleep deprived and I tried putting him into the crib, the second baby, and it wouldn't work. And he would only sleep like for 20 minutes max and then he would start screaming again. So I put him in this, um, what's this, a baby carrier or something like that. Yeah, kangaroo style. Yeah, yeah. and I was like, okay, pff. I can't sleep, I can't do very much else, so let me just walk around and do some vacuuming. Mm-hmm. And switching on the vacuum cleaner did kind of the same job that this mm-hmm. electric toothbrush did. Like, I still had to carry him around. It didn't, it was not enough just to have the noise on, but it was calming him down. Yeah. And we had uh, other experiences like that too. Like, do you want to talk about the how we would carry well, our son. I don't know. That's kind of hard to explain in English, isn't it? No, so you mean you mean when whenever he did something he wasn't supposed to. Oh yeah. Yeah, the, that's that, another one too. That one. That's a great one too. Or the the, the flying Yeah. Uh, let him hang like a cat, I guess, from your arm, maybe a little bit like oh, that. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, you know when you have a how... cat on your forearm and you just hold her head in your hand and the rest of the body's on your forearm. That's basically how i held um our oldest a long time you know just walking around with him that was the The best position for him to be comfortable in because anything close to your body or anything really restricting him and restricting his limbs he he defied he uh, well was absolutely agitated and uh, he did not like being hugged and being held close at all and that way his limbs were kind of free just floating there hanging there And um, he, he wasn't anywhere, you know, touched overly much. He was lying somewhere. Yeah, but he and still needed some touching. Like, he needed some restriction, yeah, but not some, too much. Yeah, exactly. But 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 he was... Uh, if you put him in a carriage or the kangaroo bag or whatever you want to call it, um, uh, he didn't like that at all. Anything holding him tight made him feel really uncomfortable. And this is something very counterproductive because... Um, A little bit later, I started reading this book and it had some great advice in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm going to have to link it below because it has the five S's of Harvey, some something Harvey or something. Um, that was one of the best books that worked for me and I got it too late in a sense, but it talked about um, how this, the author, yes, the pooking. Uh, the author found out about other tribes like um, not industrial families but industrial countries but uh, like rather tribals mm-hmm. kind of uh, how do you indigenous say that people. indigenous people and how they would calm their babies down and they would also have some rather um, babies who have more problems um, 
being accustomed to the normal world outside the womb mm. and therefore they have different strategies of how to calm their babies and one of them was um, putting them in very very harsh restraints like mm. um, uh, wrapping them in a very me. strong way and this is something that I actually tried with our oldest and it mm. didn't work like I we had this very very long mm. scarf Mm -hmm. kind of thing that you could wrap around and it's recommended by midwives and so on. Mm -hmm. And I put him in, in there so um, tightly. So, mm -hmm. I, I had to do it because he would move so much. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember one time I like, I, I, I pushed it on and like I wrapped it around. I almost could breathe. It was so mm -hmm. uh, tight mm -hmm. and he still would almost fall down because he would bend to mm -hmm. the side so strongly like, I, I want to like get away would, I don't like touching hey, leave me alone <laughs> yeah but at the same time you, you wouldn't be able to put him like in a um, care, like a baby um, um, stroller mm -hmm. or anything like that That's, that was too loose for him in a sense yeah. especially when putting him on his back which was recommended by the midwife never put him down on the belly mm -hmm. and that But only when he was on his belly, mm. he would sleep. Mm -hmm. If he was on his back, he would never sleep. Mm -hmm. Like only five minutes or so. So, so and again, it was the, like this special grip that, or not special, I don't know, not special, but but that was one grip that worked for him. You know, putting him with his belly on your forearm, his head in your hand in a way, and uh, have his limbs loose in the wind. You know what? Even talking about this, this makes me so exhausted. It's just. <laughs> It was such an exhausting time. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if there is any parents listening and they, they're going through something like this. Yeah. I'm like, there's oh, an end please, to it. Please, there is an end to it. Mm. And also, you know, sometimes I would like to recommend people listen to your heart as well. But just, we did but say that because, a lot of time. Intuition yes, is I know. But still, it's hard when. I don't know, maybe you've been surrounded by people who have had a stillborn child or mm. like a kid that died from sad, like uh, this is what it's called in German, like mm. uh, early childhood death or whatever. Mm. Um, and so you're scared and you don't want to do the wrong things. But I don't know. I don't know how often this happens. Uh, it, it just it felt so stressful. Like our baby had our babies. They have been quite, um, they have not been the calmest babies. They mm. all have been challenges. Mm. Uh, cha and, and if we would, would not have had as much information and advice from the outside, it probably would have been easier. Mm. Then we would have come up with some solutions earlier on. This is what I feel like. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I mean, then again, the, the, the sleeping procedure we did with our oldest It worked really well for him. Mm -hmm. And we wouldn't have known without any you know, news about it or books about it. So I'm, I'm thankful for that because that changed oh, yeah, that's our right. life we didn't big have, time for the better. And uh, we didn't have as much time or quietness to read books at that time. So um, maybe that's been a benefit. I don't know. You know, because I remember very vividly when we got this list about um, what kinds of things would be beneficial for kids who might have ADHD, mm -hmm. which our son fit into perfectly mm -hmm. in his early childhood. Mm -hmm. And that list it was so weird, like almost everything we did mm -hmm. already, we felt like this is what our son needs. He needs this consistency. He needs uh, predictability and a very strong structure and um Clear and rules. even not like too much stimuli. And there, there were so many things on that list and we've, These were things that we figured out by just observing him and finding out what is good for him. Okay, the next one might be kind of controversial. It says, get your kids to eat by changing their concept of eating. And um, then they talk about like how, how much struggle you can have with a, uh, with a kid who likes to be independent and so on. And then it brings this uh, example of the author's mom who got a solution and it was called a snack meal uh, because the kid wouldn't sit down for a whole meal. 
So she would, um, let me say this. In essence, this was just the same chicken. Ah, okay. So she prepared the same meal as for the rest of the family, meaning her husband and her. And she would put it like in a little snack type of um, little servings mm -hmm. and put it on a plate. And the kid was able or allowed to just take it mm -hmm. from the tray, whatever it was, and then move around right after like not having this whole sitting this down. is the time that you have to sit down and be quiet and eat uh, until everybody's finished and then you can go and play around or whatever but instead have like a snack time snack type meal that was served in a different way and wouldn't um take up too much time mm -hmm. yeah and this is something like actually we kind of did as well didn't we yeah we did I mean, not not in particular, you know. We didn't call it like that, and we didn't serve it like that. Yeah, exactly. But uh, it's okay for our littlest to just grab, you know, a little bit. I, I'm really fond of uh, them finishing their plate, though, if they serve themselves. Yes, if they chose they it themselves. Oftentimes, uh, don't because it's just more easier that way. And then, of course, there's leftover for me to clean, which is okay. But if they serve themselves, and if they uh, fill the glasses up themselves. Um, they have to finish it first they before getting something first. new. So what we do is we, when we fill glasses and for example, we fill to the barest minimum, just maybe like, I don't know, two centiliters, something like that. <laughs> and, and that usually suffice for our, our smallest or youngest. Um, but yeah, we are very non-strict with our eating habits. Well, uh, I think it works for us pretty okay. I mean, the oldest, our oldest, he's um, usually enjoying this. He's um, very uncomplicated. Yes, and he's, he's enjoying and he's even staying after he finished uh, at times. Not all the time, but I noticed that just a couple of times yeah. now yeah, that that's he's true. just staying because he's enjoying company. It's nice. See, um, since we have four children and they're in all different ages... We can see a development and in a way I'm kind of, you know, sometimes I try to imagine our kid being at an older stage and trying to find out, like, I would try to imagine if this would be a problem all the way through if we didn't intervene. Because sometimes you get this pressure from the outside and I felt like I have to teach the kids to stay at their table, for example, like if it's this instance, like this theme, and try to find out, is, is this something that would um, manifest in a negative way if we don't teach the kid right now to stay for a longer period of time? Mm -hmm. Because I, I saw, like a little toddler, the, the kind of behavior, the way a toddler moves and what he's capable of, I felt like this is something, a stage that will, it will change regardless of me trying to enforce this rule on him right now or not, you know? Mm -hmm. And a toddler is not somebody who is able to wait for a long time. I mean, of course, he has to, we also, you have to teach him to wait for an extended period of time, but not as much as an older kid. Mm -hmm. And also a toddler wouldn't, day for a conversation or something like that so i felt you know the expectation that we should have for children is something that has to change over time and it should adjust yes mm -hmm. therefore i mean it's kind of amazing to see that our second son for instance he's somebody who loves eating raw vegetables and fruit mm -hmm. and we didn't teach him we didn't teach him that Not at all like sometimes we have a meal and there is even some salad on the table and someone um he would be the only one who would ask for seconds mm -hmm. and then also even if he has had his salad and his meal he would stay in the kitchen afterwards and uh, cut himself an apple and paprika. some tomatoes or paprika or whatever paprika peppers paprika Yes. Really? There's That's a the word, word like that. Yes. 
Things you learn. I'm watching cooking channels as well. So yeah, that's um, awesome, honey. Yes, paprika. <laughs> no, but pepper. I, like he would stay and and eat some more vegetable and fruit, and uh, see. We can enforce certain things on the kids, like say this is some portion that you have to finish, um, but not over that because there's some kids would never do that. Mm. Namely, our girls, they wouldn't stay for an extra vegetable serving, nope. you know. Nope. They would stay for extra sweets, so. Of course, you know, <laughs> but then um, see, I, I like this approach. Look what works for you. And also um, be flexible enough and trusting enough that certain things will work themselves out without you having to enforce them and, and stress about them. Yeah. Without, If you can, right? Yeah, but without being too lax. I mean, this is something, like the question that I asked the, the boys earlier, mm -hmm. I'm going to have to, <laughs> you, you're going to talk about it because otherwise I'm talking too much. <laughs> <laughs> Because the two questions I asked. Well, you actually just asked one question. Yeah, it was one. In so, uh, how, how would you feel, dear kids, um, if you only had one parent, but two of them? So, no. let's say two if, daddies. If mom was same, like dad. Or personality-wise, yeah. Just if you had two people or two uh, parents that were exactly like dad. And well, they responded responded interestingly. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, can I just formulate it a little bit differently yeah, because sure. it was weird? Mm -hmm. Imagine there was a mom was exactly like dad character wise. Mm -hmm. You had it, it was almost like having two dads, mm -hmm. or if um, dad was just like mom. You had like two moms in a sense. Mm -hmm. What would it be like? And and we don't mean gender wise. We mean character wise. Mm -hmm. And they would say that if they had two dads, it would be kind of messy. A bit loose. Yeah. And they wouldn't have to earn their points to do computer game time. Yeah, probably mm -hmm. and there wouldn't be too many rules mm -hmm. or less rules probably. And Probably they wouldn't have to do so much homework or extra learning. That's what they said. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. It's it's kind of hard to tell. Imagine. Yeah. Imagine because then, you know, who would stay at home? Would we both be gone? See, I mean, but this is yeah, something that they didn't even think about. I know. They didn't think about that. Oh, they, yeah. they did not. No. But And how would that change your character? I mean, there's so many variables, but... How would that be if I stay at home like the whole month or two months or I don't know? Would that change their their life? I don't know. It's hard to imagine. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, I mean, of course, but they kind of got some certain characteristics portrayed pretty well. Mm -hmm. I mean, they already know, you know... You would have a different emphasis, you know. And and by that, I just mean that um, it's a good thing that both of us, we're different. And the kids are being challenged in different ways by us. Mm -hmm. I don't know how this... Uh, was related to the stuff that I was talking about earlier. <laughs> I don't know exactly. Oh, and, and the feeding thing, they brought a second example. Um, and this was an interesting one too, because the author, uh, she said something about having struggles with breastfeeding her infant. And she got taught different uh, styles of holding your baby. And that wouldn't work. It would typically not work for her infant. Mm -hmm. So she would have to crop him up on the sofa as if it was a baby that could already sit, even though it wasn't able to sit. So she put like pil pillows on the sides and so on. To stabilize, okay. To stabilize. And then it would work. Okay. I don't know how she would sit or, you know, serve him, <laughs> the baby. That sounds But kind of complicated, way. but it worked for her and the baby, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And 
this is something that I didn't have so much uh, trouble with, like not the position itself. Like I had some breastfeeding issues as well with mm. bleeding and everything, mm. uh, which I won't get into too much because <laughs> there were certain times with especially our third child, mm. she m would make mm. things hurt a lot. Very, 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 oh, geez, very, very much. <laughs> and uh, it, it was a struggle. I, I was, I think this, there were some points where I think many, many women would have given up at that point and I wouldn't blame them. Mm. Uh, but you would call me somebody who likes pain. That's what you characterize me as. <laughs> Well, which I wouldn't agree is with. It, is it true? No, it's not true. No? Okay, you enjoy the challenge. <laughs> yes, I you enjoy do. a challenge, but this is not a challenge I would have chosen. Uh, of course not, but it's still a challenge. It is. There you go. I don't know how I would um, phrase it. Um, I just know that many women would have stopped at that point, mm. and actually, I wouldn't even blame them. You know. Because no. but you enjoy the it challenge was really hard yeah um but for whatever reason i sticked with it and that must be some weird stuff in my character <laughs> or some childhood trauma i don't know something weird so it, it just if there's something that helps you maybe you know some plastic stuff that you can put up on mm -hmm. on the breast whatever do whatever works for you and that's the takeaway The takeaway is you don't have to be like me. Yeah, exactly. You, you don't you, have to enjoy pain. No. <laughs> Whatever. I don't know. You do Something what like works that. for you. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, the next one. Parenting can calm children's wild fantasies and make them feel braver. So there was... Oh, yeah, that was an interesting one. Um, and we have some stories to tell there as well. They bring an example of the author's child being afraid of monsters and so on mm. before sleeping oh i know that one and the funny thing is I, this i think this would not have worked in our family but at theirs it did mm. uh, she put on a sign on the door of the child and it said something in bold letters that lions tigers and bears were barred from entering the author's childhood room Author's childhood. Well, the kid of the guy who wrote, yeah. or the girl who wrote the yeah, book. who wrote that book, mm -hmm. whatever. Uh, so they just put up a sign, and that was enough for the child. And later, they had to add some other animals, like mm -hmm. mice, foxes, wolves, wolves, and something else, alligators, and crocodiles, and sharks. Sharks. I mean, that's kind of weird. Yeah, but um, I think a sign would not have helped with our daughter. We did not come up with that idea, though. No, we didn't. But I still think it would not have worked. Maybe not. I think not. But, well, we did. What we did is... She was afraid like that they would come into the window and stuff like that, even. Again, so we what, what we did is uh, we told her every day when we brought popcorn into bed that there are no monsters working and uh, they can get to her. And um, we did this for, I don't know, what, two years? It was. It had become one of our ritualistic kind of going to bed stories. Yeah, but then uh, she also had to have some light on, mm -hmm. and uh, I don't know that there were some more things that we had to add in the whole ritual, the things that we talked about, and we had to pray about it as well, mm -hmm. and I don't. See, this is something, I don't know if we have talked about this before in some other podcast, mm. like in detail, mm. because those are kinds of things that you start forgetting after a while, I isn't didn't. it? No, not really. You, yeah. <laughs> But the ritual changed and it became... It changed again it changed, and again and again. Yeah, it did change. I mean, we went out basically down now to two songs and saying goodnight and uh, I have to do an impersonation of her dog telling her that he loves her um, oh yeah that's right dog. make her laugh you know before laugh. sleeping yeah and um then we we hug and we say you know good night and then 
all is all is well. Before that, it was a million questions, or mm. well, maybe like like twenty questions about something that we were doing, what they were doing, and um, or what, what, what oh yeah, that's everyone right. Everyone was doing. Yeah. And, uh, but that was not about fears. It was more like it, it became like, a ritual. Kind yeah, of, and it and it changed. And now it's down to well, just me impersonating the dog, and for me, you know, yes. and just uh, hugging and her. Ha- and I have to answer the question. You have to do yes. a little bit of more talking, which is kind of you know how it works. Normal. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of weird. But see, um, this is again about having to be creative. And this is something you cannot consult a book with. Mm-hmm. Uh, our other children, they never had these kinds of questions and insecurities. We never had to calm our boys down and make them feel secure enough so they wouldn't be afraid of the dark and so on. Um, well, they started sleeping in the same room quite early on. Mm-hmm. Maybe that might be a factor, but even Still, like even when they were in separate rooms, we never had to give them this much security and ritual, no, so they would feel safe. Especially st- trying to hug our oldest, they always were. Oh, and him, yeah, and him. he would hate that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to this day, to this day, to I mean, he's day. not a hugger. No, even not. as a big, that's weird, isn't it? That must be seldom. Well, let me give you an example where it was really special for me. Um, I failed like, some uh, exam. I came home and I was kind of like, yeah, that oh, yeah. sucked. And it wasn't as, as how I planned it would go. Um, all, all good and everything. But I came home. I told him, yeah, um, I failed. And he came up to me and just hugged me in a you know a little bit awkward way because he's not used to do that. And said, well, uh, I'm sorry to hear that. But just, you know, the gesture... If was, he's hugging, if he's giving then, us then, a hug, you know, it's something very, very, very special. It, it, it was very special to me. So yes. I, I remembered, you know, and uh, I was like, hmm, okay, my son can do that if he wants to. And even if it's a bit clumsy and this is just how he works, you know, but, but showing that kind of um, emotional, I don't know, support, you know, yeah. uh, was really touching to me. Yeah, it is. I see. But I can be clumsy too when it comes to hugging and stuff. Yeah, but not like that. Not like that. I know. But I'm just like, ugh. No, but but it was you might have that from me. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's not bad. It's just people, some people need more space around them than others. Uh, I'm more of a huggy kind of person, you know? I know, I know. Yeah, you know. See, I, I, I. I learned that. Mm-hmm. I think I learned that. Yes, yeah. I did. Yeah. It's just how I was raised and you were raised differently. So I, I it's don't all know fine if it's the raising style, is it? Um, well, my siblings don't like hugging either. Um, I think a little bit it is. Yeah, maybe. I don't I, know. I think it's just what but habits no, we, in no, your family. No, no, no. Wait a second. No, it's not. I don't think so. <laughs> because not. our daughter, mm-hmm. like we're hugging them a ton. Uh, her a ton because she is asking for it like crazy mm-hmm. and then her siblings even her sister like i'm trying to hug her more like i'm trying to hug her more than she's trying to hug me mm. you know i know and that's you know me mm-hmm. so it's telling something about her character mm-hmm. i i really would say so you know, mm-hmm. because our older daughter, she would never say no to a hug. Mm-hmm. Like she loves it. Mm-hmm. And our younger, she's only asking for it when she sees, like when it's kind of a competition thing, when her, when the older one is asking for more, then she wants to have more too. But it's mm-hmm. not like her own need. It's more like a competition thing. Mm-hmm. And our sons, no. I mean, our second son, he needs some more touching, but not as much as the older one. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no. Um, He's needing more than the older one, but he's asking for it in a different way. It's more mm-hmm. like a massage or uh, or the um, fighting style, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's character. It is a quite a lot of, of character. It's also culture of the family. And so I, we have to hug them more. I think we hug them just enough. Okay. I, I think we're good on Be- that. On that. Because front. I'm not strong in that. Really not. Like, no, no. I, I don't like hugging somebody who doesn't like to be hugged. Of course. I really no, don't. But um, it, it's, it, 
giving that we are open to it and then that we do it at times even against their will i mean then it's, it's just fun you know with I a know, 14 year old boy it kind of it's just yeah. <laughs> it can be awkward it's one way yeah, it is awkward this is one way yeah. to annoy him and then then it's fun mm-hmm. but again teach them that it's okay to have close personal um relationship and, and intimacy in a way as well with your family members is okay it's fine yeah, yeah you don't have to force them um, to do something they don't want to, but um, they, they have to learn how to, you know, have their own body being embraced by someone else because it's part of life and that's always going to happen to you. And if you really just push people away because you cannot touch anyone, then you're going to have probably a very difficult relationship ahead of you or relationships. Ahead okay. Of you, I think. Yeah. 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 Just be open to it. Um, look what you're kid kind of needs even though they're not asking for it and also um at times challenge your kid and challenge yourself maybe mm-hmm. you know because sometimes it, it can be a challenge for me with our daughter mm-hmm. but i it's not a real challenge because i know she's enjoying it so much mm-hmm. and she needs it so it's not that hard okay the next uh, oh and, and then she uh, mentions something about a little challenge that you can do, which we have never done. Some that you can do, like kind of a game. The author darken a room. Yes, the author. Mm-hmm. Uh, she would darken the room and then challenge the kid to go inside for ten seconds, mm-hmm. and then you can extend the time even further on that they have to count t- till ten or whatever, and then leave the room mm-hmm. and try not to put on any kinds of lights, just to be in the room for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. During the day, probably, I guess. So it's not like right before nighttime, but instead make like a game out of it and try to find new ways of how to challenge the fear of your kid without being it too serious. And this is something we've tried again and again, but maybe in a different ways, like we came up with different things. No. So <clears throat> we succeeded anyway. So it just took some time. Oh, yes, it did. I did. Okay, and the next one is about siblings. Siblings aren't always kind to each other. Hmm. Duh. Who'd have thought of that? And sibling rivalry is a sign of needing to feel loved. Among other things. Among yes, yes, because um, this is something like I would get stressed about again and again as well, uh, especially because nowadays you always have books to prepare the older kid for the arrival of the second kid because the older one is going to get dethroned and the little one has to get um, prepared in a proper manner so they know um, and the older one has to kind of get prepared to knowing I'm not going to be the center of the universe anymore and uh, mom and dad they're still they still love me Mm -hmm. And I'm not like um, a second-class child right now. And this can stress somebody out sometimes. Like I felt the need to, uh, you know, always do something extra for the older one, you know, mm-hmm. um, and later also for the other ones. But I never succeeded. It felt like I'm, I'm falling short again and again because the baby took up so much time. Like our babies weren't that easy. And therefore... I knew that I wasn't the best mom for the older kids, in a sense. Because you were just one mom. Yeah. Yeah, you should have been two moms then. Yeah, but, you know, I don't know, but for whatever reason, the boys, they knew a baby took up a lot of time. But I even feel like we've had kind of good conversations even early on. Mm. Even when they're quite young. We would tell them, um, you know, that we would understand that it's hard sometimes mm-hmm. not to get as much as attention when there's younger ones around. Mm-hmm. And that we would try to, yes, give them some extra attention at times, mm-hmm. but of course not as much as they would want to have. Mm-hmm. What Do you think we handle it well? Like trying to give each kid the feeling of them not being um, second class or whatever 
I think it worked pretty well, to be honest, in retrospect, because um, look at them now. I mean, they're, they're able to, to deal with each other. Um, there's maybe some, some serious stress points between number two and number three. Yes. Um, but all in all, I think they, they, they do enjoy us being a family, being the Keller family, you know? Yes, um, but not, also I they think... They would not want to be anywhere else, even if they have siblings that annoy him, you know? That's true, yeah. See, and um, and I think we saw early on how the differences of character would contribute to some of the kids getting more attention than others. Mm -hmm. Like our second son is by far getting the least attention, I'd say. You know? You think? Yes, I'd say so. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. He's not as outgoing as the other ones. He's not as needy in a sense. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not asking or complaining as much as the other ones. And um, yeah, but at the same time, he's he has some certain needs. And he also would get the older one being the one who would tell him what to do. Like, But this is something that we recognize sometimes as well we would say you know don't you don't have to do this if your older one is asking for it the mm -hmm. older one has to come and ask for himself mm -hmm. for example because the older one would order him around sometimes mm -hmm. and i wouldn't say that we're perfect in this but we saw it quite early on and that's why we try to ask him personally sometimes what he wants to do or Uh, where he needs some more attention, I guess, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I mean, but he's not not somebody who would ask, like, Actively. do some troublesome stuff if he doesn't get enough attention or whatever. I, so, If you'd ask him today, I think he'd say, no, I'm fine. I got enough attention as it is. Yeah. Because he doesn't even want to have the attention. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. it's kind of weird. Yeah. So I think you have, if you truly ask, oh, well, I, I encourage everyone listening to ask your kids if they're happy or unhappy, and if they're not happy, if they're saying, well, no, I'm, I'm living in a situation I'm, I'm just not happy with, and this, mm -hmm. these are the reasons. Listen to them, and um, if they're valid reasons, because kids can can come up with unimaginable stuff that just blows your mind what is the reason for them not being happy <laughs> yeah. especially number two you know I so know I know what are you yeah well so if there are things that you can change if there are valid reasons not just you know you are in the world and there is something called school that you have to deal with is with it yes A homework, yes. Yeah, homework. homework is like the, his horrible as chapter. long as as the most as, as the the biggest pain points are yeah. homework and well teachers i think you're safe See, if it becomes um, something else i would just else, ask something because the question are you happy or are you unhappy or um what would you like to be different that's something sometimes too abstract for kids i found um i because i got most of the time i wouldn't get any answers or not specific enough answers when asking a question like that, but rather uh, I tried once, um, I asked him if he was the school director, because his most complaints are about school. Mm. Uh, if he was the boss of the school and he could change anything, so school would be enjoyable for him, what would you change? I, I think these kinds of questions are, they cut to the chase, like they, they cut to the marrow more deeply. Well, but it's or if so you could change it about the family or whatever. I can tell you his answer. Yeah, right I now. know, but it, I mean, it was not really helpful for us because we cannot <laughs> say, "Oh, you're you're never going to have homework anymore" or whatever. Those are the things that we can do. But if this question can help to find out if there's a bully or if he feels like uh, I don't know, um, if there is a certain teacher who really, really doesn't like him or something like that, you know? Mm -hmm. I think it would open up the door for issues like that. If it's just homework, of course, you're not going to change it. But um, 
try to be creative in asking questions. Maybe this is something that I would add to this whole book, mm -hmm. you know, to find out about the needs of your kid because so many times they're not going to talk about it or not directly. Yeah. Or, or try like in, in a role play kind of game and, and tell him, you know, this is like a monkey family, whatever, mm -hmm. and you're the monkey dad. Or like what would the, the monkey dad do or how would you make him the best dad there is whatever I don't know like, mm -hmm. just what I'm coming up with right now Might but be dead okay that's my <laughs> no. takeaway from now yeah you're yeah. welcome mm -hmm. okay next one sometimes parents need to have a good cry but there are strategies to stop you hitting crisis point uh, so now they're talking about uh, parents being overwhelmed sometimes and that it's not so good to Mm, scream and cry and dissolve in front of your kids. Yeah, if you can uh, stop it at any cost, you should, I guess. Um, well, I'm just gonna read a little extract. Like the author discovered this herself one night at home. She was exhausted to the point of immobility. Only able to crash in front of the 2013 Jill Soloway movie Afternoon Delight. I don't know that one. The film is all about parents and their relationships, friendships, sex, troubles, and fatigue. The comedy drama hit home. Before long, tears were pouring out and she felt all the better for it. As good as crying can be, it has to be avoided sometimes. There are some strategies for precisely this purpose. Um, and then... She talks about taking care of eight autistic children at a YMCA swimming pool. Okay, I don't know. Um, you shouldn't cry I've read it for in front of autistic time. children? Yeah. Well, let's say being like a little puddle in front of your kid might not be the best strategy, I guess. But I remember having cried in front of the kids as well. But they wouldn't care. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, like our boys, they, our daughter, mm -hmm. like once she saw me crying and yeah, she was asking me about what, what's wrong or whatever. And she, she was concerned. Yes. But the boys, they were like, okay, mom, mom I'm hungry. Episodes, yeah. So or something. <laughs> we go someplace else until it resolves itself. That wouldn't even kind of, it felt like they didn't even notice. They would, yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't cry out loud. That's not what I mean, mm -hmm. no. But they would come and say, like, Mom, I need some blah, 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 or I'm hungry, or, you know. Mm -hmm. They didn't feel very, didn't feel like they were very empathetic and destroyed by it, you they, know. They are not. <laughs> so. I mean, our boys are a lot of, um, they are at the moment still very self-centered well no not not all this he i think if he saw you crying now he would uh, react to it yeah now yeah not in his you know no his, younger years now so. as a teenager i think he would I'm, I'm, i'm very sure he would react to you and he would ask you and he would come mm -hmm. up and um, yeah try whatever he could our second i don't i don't know I can only guess. I think he just was just turn around and say, well, that's strange, and then go someplace else. Well, no, he can be very empathetic because sometimes I, I told him about certain stories or about other people, and he would even be more destroyed by those stories than even all of his siblings would be. Okay. Um, so I, I, I once even really regretted telling him a certain story mm -hmm. about a little boy that I heard about. It was just, um, it was not even somebody that we knew, mm -hmm. but it really um, touched his heart so badly that I afterwards I was like, oh, oh, I, I, I wasn't expecting his reaction. You know? how, how did you react though? Um... It's hard to describe. Like, um, it was kind of a mixture of being angry and 
sad helplessness. It's kind mm. of a weird mixture because um, I think you really felt what that boy must have felt and it felt so horrible and then he didn't know what to do at that moment with that feeling mm. and then he was angry at me for telling it, I guess. So it was a weird mixture. I can't, I can't describe it. I mean, um, I just know, but he also feels for his... Um, classmates I, I know of certain instances where he was really worried about his friends you know and but then in the family it's kind of different it feels almost like he's more concerned about other people than he is about the people closest to him mm -hmm. in a sense mm -hmm. even though i don't believe it it's more like the front yes like a strong front or whatever uh, because i really do feel that he's uh, suffering with others but he doesn't want it feels like he doesn't want to have this feeling in him because because it can be strong mm -hmm. in him and the older one he can feel it but not as strongly and therefore he is more open for like vulnerable stories mm -hmm. that's what i feel okay so it's a complicated issue let's just say It, it's a good thing to really observe your kids and how they react and if if you really if you have the feeling and it doesn't have to be like when you have a meltdown hopefully mm -hmm. before that if you know your kids are going to be destroyed by it and they're going to really suffer with it maybe it's a better strategy not to have that meltdown in front of your kids but rather take care of yourself Or ask for some help for somebody who can take care of the kids so you can have a minute for yourself. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just something. Um, it's not something that you can really plan for, mm -hmm. but be aware of the reaction of the reaction of your kids. Mm -hmm. I'd say. Yeah. Can, can we have to get you talking a little bit more? Okay. <laughs> Kids can entertain themselves, but it's a skill. They have to be taught. So if you want your kids to be entertained, uh, just wait until they can do computer games and it all takes care of itself, it, right? It does. <laughs> so wait until they're like five years old and everything just, you know, goes smoothly from there on. In. Well, yeah. <laughs> Or um, sometimes kids can get really quiet. You know, you, you're talking with somebody or whatever, and the kids get really quiet, and then you're like, oh, yes, our kids can play quietly for themselves. It's a nice thing. Mm. And then you find out what they did in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because <laughs> when a bunch of kids get quiet really quick, then you should worry. That's like... going to be a big, big mess. Mm -hmm. But they, they entertained themselves. They played for themselves. No, they that's, did. That's right. Just not with the toys that they were supposed to. See, I know that there is many different uh, ways of trying to get your kids play by themselves quietly. Uh, sometimes it works. I also know about a friend, um, Simon, you know. Mm. Um, he is somebody who would, it's very hard for that boy to get him entertained. Like, And he would want to have kids around him himself like mm. all the time he would need to have somebody else with him and that was pretty hard for that mom because this boy didn't have siblings for a long time mm. like and and his siblings they're really young so they're not play partners mm -hmm. so she would have to get some play dates all of the time because otherwise he would ask for attention most of the time mm -hmm. And this is something like she has tried so many different strategies of how to get him occupied. And most of the time they would only um, be successful for a short period of time. So this is why I would say, yes, you can teach your kids to occupy themselves. But sometimes it just doesn't work as well as you might think or as the books might make you believe or suggest yeah mm -hmm. yeah and then it can be a good thing if they have friends around or mm. siblings around this is like our kids they had siblings quite early on yep. so it was easier for them i'd say mm -hmm. because yeah i think only our older daughter she is more difficult but 
in this issue, I'd mm. say, because the boys weren't as difficult. And the older daughter, yes, there were certain times where it was quite difficult and she would be saying, like, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored. Um, but it's gotten a lot better. Sure has. Then again, she's the only one who's, uh, at the moment, um, reaching out, you know, to others. Yeah. Trying to come up with um, appointments and everything, but because the boys just don't, basically. Okay, you know, I'm not going to stay on this one too much because, it, I mean, you can try many different things. Just know when the kids are getting older, it's going to be much easier. And you, of course, you cannot entertain the kid all of the time. And you can do this I am bored jar, those kinds of things that are um, put on Pinterest so many times and which don't really work either. Like, I've tried that as well. I don't think it works. Maybe you you should live on a farm and give your kids work to do all of the time. Like you would be busy working all of the time when you're home. And the kids, if they're bored, yeah, just milk the cow. Or Sure, honey. <laughs> we could do that as well. I mean, we still got a little bit of garden left, so a cow would, would fit there perfectly. Do that, and then can, you can, can have we to try question. sheep first before we... <laughs> But actually, it's something like that we did as well. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember her saying, you know what, you're bored? Okay, then clean up your room and then you can ask. Mm -hmm. Clean up your room and then you can ask. And I would say this many times, like mm -hmm. like a broken record, until she would stop asking because she wouldn't like my answer. So, mm -hmm. that's what you can try as well. Okay, role-playing games help young children express emotions, but listening is often best when dealing with Teenagers. Ah, oh, yeah, okay. Um, this is something that we kind of talked about before. When you want the kids to talk about something um, or find out if there is a problem somewhere. Very often it helps better to do a role-playing game mm -hmm. to find out what it's on their heart instead of asking them directly. You mm -hmm. cannot just go to a five-year-old and say, Tell me, what is on your heart? How what, are you feeling about that? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and things. Like, of course, that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. But if you do it in a fun role-playing game, you can find out much better how they're doing. And without a five-year-old, mm -hmm. I mean, she has this little um, toy animal. Toy, it works quite well. And with teenagers, and this is something that I talked to you about as well many, many times, um, that sometimes it's better to do something together with them like I wanted to say do the dishes but that's probably not going to work in our family but if you're or doing something crafty like with wood or fixing the bicycle baking <laughs> stuff we do of mm -hmm. course mm -hmm. and then you can talk with them like while doing that but this works during um, car rides car rides are Quite well. It also works during playing computer games. I see this is something that I don't have any mm -hmm. framework for. Oh, just saying. Do computer games when you can, the ones that you can communicate mm -hmm. during, do they really talk about school stuff or something like that as well? Or is oh, it just I, about the game? I bring stuff up at times, you know. Oh, you do? Mm -hmm. Okay. This uh, last one. It's going to be kind of challenging for you. Oh, we'll see. Uh, it talks about sex can be problematic after childbirth. And some patients might be required until you find a solution. And then she talks about having a C-section and how she had some healing issues and that intimacy didn't work for quite some time. With the C-section. Was it a C-section? I'm going to have to... Cause, cause uh, that... You have an episiotomy. Episiotomy? Yeah... Wow. Surgical procedure required when more space is needed for the baby's head during labor. There you go. So she was cut open. Yeah. Now, like there was more cutting. This that's, is like, doesn't it tear? Opposite, you can just tear. Can't you just the tear? The opposite of like section. Just saying. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, but I think even C-sections, they, they can have some problems there as well, apparently. Like, I don't know about it because I haven't experienced it. 
What kind but, of problem? Oh. Yeah, because there's numbness uh, right above it, and I don't know. Okay. I, I just. So the, the main point was. Uh, uh, the main point is uh, this is something maybe that you have to talk about and be patient about and not feel, uh, and get help about as well because she wouldn't. Um, I think there was something about like her thinking it should be okay. No, the doctor said something. Oh, yeah, that's going to heal itself and it's going to be fine. And she had to consult some other doctors as well until she got some real help. And she had to be courageous enough to ask for enough help so the problem would get solved. Okay, yeah, I can only encourage that. I can only uh, as well encourage that um, you talk with your husband, that you talk with your wife. Instead of just hitting and scratching them. or Instead of (laughs) not talking about something. (laughs) And uh, of course, uh, after a baby, you're going to take a break um, because you appreciate your wife and you respect your wife. And uh, if she's hurt, then um, Kind of not so enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, and this is something that uh, probably uh, not many parents are talking about. I mean, of course. Or, I don't know, some people are maybe even bragging about how quickly they got the second child implanted or whatever. But most of the time, there's not about a lot of talk about it. I, I would I would say as a rule of thumb, you know, or just, you know, talk about it and um, take it easy for the next six months. Yeah, and... Listen to your midwife, is what she has to say. Well, well <laughs> yeah, they come in all shapes and sizes and different ages, and they have different, um, uh, how would you call it, sacks of wisdom they, 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 they dump on you. So, so that might be helpful. Talk, so talk to your midwife if it, if, it, if it helps you, but if she's like a 20-year-old who just uh, finished learning um, about you know how to be a midwife, then maybe maybe she does not have the answers you're looking for that's true yeah and also um yeah well actually nowadays i think in the past it's been more difficult because people wouldn't talk about it so openly or maybe only the women between women whatever and then you get some weird answers as well or pressure and so on but nowadays Actually, you can find out something about it on the internet because there are so many different types of problems that can occur. Mm. And also talk to the doctor or midwife as well. I mean, yes, it can be confusing, the kinds of answers that they're giving. But if you get several answers, maybe something is helpful. Yeah, true. You know? And then... um, And then, yeah, talk to your husband, talk to your wife and uh, figure things out and not talking just leads to well i guess the feeling of desperation um, no not desperation but um rejection oh yeah oh yes you know yes it's like did i do something wrong so you talk about it Mm -hmm. talk about what you feel what, what what she he she feels you know and um Take that time and then try because the new baby wants attention as well. See, um, wait, I'm just wondering, like we, we got invited by a younger couple. couple. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we haven't um, made a date yet. It's a date. It's a it feels date. weird that, to say that. Um, and they want to invite us because they like to invite certain older couples and we are an older couple oh, i feel like see this is kind of weird I, I, because I'll i feel be like we're still now. young but no we're, <laughs> we're an experienced couple mm. let's say it that way okay. i've just been to freakstock you know and there are a lot of couples around a lot of families around and none of you them, felt young none of them feel like they're 40 but all of them are yes yes <laughs> and i think our parents they felt the same i think they did your parents yes my parents well no i i remember my Mm -hmm. father distinctly some at some point he said something like it like he he i think it was around 40 or something and he was like he feels pretty young or just like 
having been 18 or 19 has been just like almost like yesterday or something. Mm. And when I look at your parents, I think they also think of themselves as being much, much younger than they are. Maybe. Maybe they do. Maybe we should. Maybe it's an actual Other people phenomenon. are looking at us and saying, ooh, they're old. And we're like, we feel young. Maybe we have to take the wise mantle now. And uh, yes, we are the old couple now. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm wondering if we're going to get asked questions like that. Or if they want to know certain things that we wished we would have known earlier. So you're thinking about preparing for the date. Yes. Well, go ahead and do that. I won't. <laughs> I know. <laughs> But this is how we work best. You know, you prepare for, for whatever it is. Everything you consider to be worthy to be prepared for. <laughs> And I just, you know, ride the boat on the river down the flow. I yeah, don't. because I'm just, it's going to be fun. If they're asked a question, I'm like, yes, I've got my list. Mm. Ta-da! Here are 10 points that will help you with, I don't know. The future years the future and all years. the things that I wished I would have known. And here is the anatomical structure of the female body and what... What? Yes. No, please. <laughs> God. During Me. the meal. Um, It's going to be fun. Um, um, did they hint at anything like that? <laughs> no, I, they no, didn't. please. <laughs> That's why it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be an awkward meal. <laughs> and unless, and, and this is something that, that you have to tell me if, if, if they're a funny couple. If they're funny, it can be funny. I don't but know. Most couples I met, uh, besides the one I know and that are our age, they're <laughs> uptight, you know, so to speak. <laughs> So, I know. I think they might be too but we're kind of too weird, I guess. Uh, maybe so, that as well. Let's end on that <laughs> note. I think this is a perfect last We'll tell you about of... our date, I guess. <laughs> date. Um, the next time. Couple's date, yes. Yeah, couple's date. Yeah. <laughs> That's so weird. So, we, nevertheless, we're going to tell you how it went and how, how the preparation for it went along. <laughs> What and great topics I was able to extract. The and most important thing, if we had fun or not, or if it was just an awkward two hours with a, a decent meal. We'll see. Yes. We'll see. You're welcome. Thank okay. you for listening. Thank you so much, Aaron, and have a good night. <laughs> <laughs>